0: If you have your Bible this morning, you can turn to the book of Exodus, where we've been tracking with the Israelites as they are rescued out of slavery. In particular, we're going to be in chapter 15, Exodus chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, you don't own one, we have a Bible to give you. You're welcome to grab one off the back table in the vestibule. That's yours to keep. You can write your name on it. Keep it forever unless the Lord has you to give it to somebody else. And then we'll give you another Bible again. So it doesn't matter. But we want to make sure everybody has access to the word of God. Um, And so if you need one, please grab one. As we begin our time in Exodus this morning, I have a question for you. Uh, You're welcome to raise your hand, but I'm not going to make you. Uh, And that is this. I want you to be honest with yourself. Are you... A complainer. All right, I got some willing folks to be a complainer. Um, now, some of you, you sat there. Oh man, I don't want to answer this question. You're a complainer. Okay, you're already in. And um, I think we all kind of come to those moments of, of complaining, whatever it is. Some people are way better at complaining than others are, and um, I'm not. I'm not very good at deciding who that is because some of us are really good at just doing it in our hearts. Okay, Uh, but we need to address that today because we're going to go through three stories today as Israel is coming out and they've seen these mighty works of God as they've come out. And as they see those things, we see a heart of complaining and we're going to talk about where that's coming from, but also what it might be revealing that's disastrous. It's really disastrous. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to guide us as we go to the scripture today. Father, we thank you for these stories because they provide us with evidence of your faithfulness, of how you took care of a whole people. And even now, as we present ourselves to you as people of God, Lord, we pray that you continue to work on our hearts through the truths of Scripture. They're not just old stories. They're revealing a God who's present today, who desires for us to continue to be drawn away from the desires of the world and our own flesh and drawn towards Jesus and all that he is and all that he's done. And so, Lord, would you guide my heart, my mind, and my lips to only speak what you've ordained today, that you might teach us by your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so let's pick up the story again. The last place we picked up was they crossed through the Red Sea on dry land. They looked back just as God released the Red Sea to uh, flood out the greatest army on earth, Pharaoh's army. So they're all dead and they began to sing a song. It was like their national anthem. And they just always saw this in their history of the mighty work of God, saving them from Egypt, rescuing them and defeating the enemy. It was a great work of God. They've seen plagues. They've seen mighty things of God. And now they're out in the wilderness, their families all trekking towards the promised land that God has promised them. So let's look at uh, verse 22 of Exodus 15. It says, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They, f- they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log or a tree, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do not and do that, excuse me, and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they had camped there by the water. So imagine this. You've just come out of Egypt. God split the sea. You went through it. You turned and saw the enemy destroyed. Man, yeah, this is a good way to start a trip. We're going to God. They get out three days journey and suddenly there's no water. I don't know about you that I get thirsty. I've already been drinking on my water bottle over here in the front row and it's like I can't get enough. I'm thirsty. I can only imagine being in the wilderness with my family and thinking I I need a drink and there's nowhere to get it. And so they begin to grumble and they begin to complain. And there they are by this water and the water is not even good. It says it's bitter. In fact, that place became named as bitter or Mara. And they begin to grumble. And the Lord says, here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's a log. Throw that log, throw that stick, throw that tree into the water. And the water turned sweet and they were able to drink it. And it says that the Lord was doing these things because he was testing the people. He was he was testing the people. And I'm thinking, Really, our God tests. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. You know why we need tested. We are a people who are fickle. We are a people who we say we want what God has to offer and what he's offering us most is him. And then we get out there with we say we're in with you, God, I trust you. And then he brings us to these points where he says, now, do you really trust me? When it seems like there's no other way and nothing else to provide for you when i have you in that moment it just seems like you and your families are thirsty and dang there's nothing do you still trust me i am testing you it said in that moment that the people complained and this sets up a scenario it just repeats and repeats and repeats for these israelites it says that as the lord tested them and brought them a point to a point where it seemed like there was nothing they grumbled they complained in fact, the word that's used there comes from a root that literally means stopped. They stopped. You ever been with a child or something where they start complaining instead of going where they, went, they just like sit on the ground and start throwing a tantrum? That's what they were doing. That's what it means. They just stopped and threw a tantrum and said, we are thirsty. And what did God do in his graciousness? He says. Put that log in. Somehow he supernaturally with that log. Had it in the water. It turned sweet. They drink. They go and camp in this place called Elam. Which means palms. There's 70 palm trees. 12 springs of water. And they drink. He knew. He was going to provide for them. He was testing them. And in the test. There was an absolute need. No one. No one can say there wasn't a need there. There was a need there. They needed these things. They needed a drink. But. The way in which they approached the need revealed their heart. When you sit in those moments when you complain, and you know what? We often have water. I could go fill up my water bottle right now. If I wanted to, I could come off the stage and just drink it, okay? I could go find food. I could go do all those other things. But we find ourselves in a moment where it's a faith crisis saying, I don't see any other way. What am I to do? And God says, trust me. In those moments, do I begin to grumble and just stop and throw a tantrum? Is that what you do, all of you who raised your hands? No? (laughs) Good. I hope hope you continue that way. But the reality is these people said, I'm stopping. And what begins to happen is you can say those words and say, you know what? I need something to drink. But there's two different ways of saying it, isn't it? We often have this conversation in the Hudson household. It's not always the words that you say. It's how you say those words. So think of the words that they said, and I'm just going to read them again. It says, what shall we drink? That was the words that they brought. And there's two ways of saying it. What shall we drink? Wah, 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 wah. Or, Lord, what are we going to drink? There's a difference, isn't there? There's one that says, woe is me. And there's another that says, wow, you have done so much in the past. And right now we're on the verge of, I don't know what, but Lord, what are we going to drink? And we just trust you. And we're just asking. There's a difference, isn't there? Is it woe is me or wow is he? I'm going to go with that phrase today. And we see this pattern in Israel. It's like he constantly provides. He even brings them to a place to speak to them. Remember in the past with this family, how good I've been because he brings them to a place where they have 12 springs of water. How many children of Jacob came down? Twelve. And it says that when they came and their family came to Egypt, how many people coming from those 12 people came as a family? 70. In the beginning of the Exodus, it says 70 people came to Egypt and there were 70 palm trees. I don't think that's by chance. I think God is saying, You remember, I got you. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to complain. You don't have to stop and throw a tantrum. Just trust me. I'm, I'm testing your heart to see if you actually believe in me. We often wonder, Why has God put me in this position? Does he not love me? No, he loves you literally to the death. What he wants to know is that will you love him with everything that you've got when it seems like you've got nothing else? Will you throw the tantrum and say, Lord, I just trust you. Because he goes on and we have another situation. This is chapter 16. It's almost the same thing, but just different physical elements. It says they set out from Elam and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So they've been out there traveling now. This is the second month they've been out there a while. It says in verse 2, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled. Again, that word is stopped. In, In reality, it says they're discontent. They're not content with what the Lord is doing. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you've brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, just for a second, you've got to recognize. They are misremembering what happened in Egypt, they're misrepresenting what happened, because when they say we're sitting around meat pots, they're not just talking about eating stew. It's a way of saying, like we would say, we have bucket loads of of food. That's what they're saying. We had bucket loads of meat back in here. No, they didn't. They were in slavery. They were empty. There were a people who were oppressed. So they're misremembering and they're bringing a charge and telling Moses and Aaron, we're gonna... it would have been better if we had died. Well, it goes on in verse 4 and says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Again, he's testing them. This isn't because God didn't prepare for the trip. It's not because he didn't go to Sam's club and get enough items to go out with the people. It's because while they're on their journey, he wants to make sure that they're actually with him. And so he allows them to to go a little hungry. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I hear your I hear you're grumbling, but every day I'm going to provide fruit for you and you're going to go gather it every day. Remember what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer? Give us today our daily bread. There are times when on a daily basis, we don't know where it's going to come from. We just going to say, Lord, what do you got for me today? And he's going to have us go and gather up whatever it is he's going to provide. And that's what they literally were going to do is the. Children of Israel, when there wasn't a store to go to, there wasn't a sheets they could just pull in and get some gas and a big go, uh, a, a big soda and a, and a hostess donut or whatever you get at your sheets. They didn't have that every day. He literally is putting bread from heaven on the desert floor. And if we fast forward just a little bit, if you'd go to me with me to verse nine. It says, then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel say to them at twilight, you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay uh, in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness, a fine flake like thing. Fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it's the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. So God heard their complaint and he said this, I'm going to give you meat in the evening. He sends quail, uh, these dumb birds that would get blown into the area. And uh, there would be a lot of quail. There's been enough quail sometimes blown into these areas that they've been known to sink small boats that they all land on. Um, so he feeds them quail. In fact, another place in Scripture, they're complaining about getting meat. And he says, I'm going to give you so much meat from this quail, it's going to be coming out your nose. OK, you want to complain about meat? I'll give you meat. OK, I'll give you all you can eat. It's going to be a buffet. Um, that's what I'm going to give you. I'm also going to give you bread every day. Now, it wasn't the bread that they were used to because it says it was coming with the dew. When the dew went away, somehow God was providing this thing that they would go out and they would collect this flaky, sweet-like stuff. In other places of Scripture, it says that they would collect it. And it was like a honey sweetness, and they'd, they, they would pack it and make it and, and cook it into, into little cakes and things. Um, so to me, it sounds kind of like frosted flakes. And at times they would make it into almost uh, marshmallow crispy treats. You know, that type of thing. I don't know what's going on. They didn't know what was going on because when they saw it, they said, what is it? Which is the definition of the word manna. You know, we talk about manna like, oh, man, this 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 miraculous bread from heaven. And it was. But what it was was when they saw it, they're like, oh, what is that stuff? And it may have been odd. In fact, because the dew came and then when the dew left, it was there. There's some. Um, that speculate there 's a natural phenomenon that is going on there, and there 's been known to be some natural phenomenon that that, that go on uh, goes on over in that area that some people wonder one of them and probably the leading candidate for what this might have been is that it 's been known that little aphids will go and feed on tamarisk trees, and then when the aphids have dung it 's actually a sweet, sticky substance that will cover. A portion of the ground and people have been known to scoop it up and collect large portions of this sweet stuff so they may have been looking at aphid dung going what is this this is what the lord's given us yeah he's providing for you daily bread it may be through an aphid it may have been some there's some other we don't know what it was but they didn't know they didn't know they said what it was what are you doing god what are you doing So again, we have that thing. God's testing them. Their test isn't to say, Lord, we just trust you today. Ha what is this stuff? It was more of like, oh my goodness, what is this? It's a heart of complaining. It's a heart of grumbling. They actually aren't trusting in the Lord, even though he's being so gracious in so many ways to bring them to the promise, a whole nation in the wilderness. How are you going to feed them? Let's go to the next story really quickly. This is in chapter 17, verse one. It says all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. So, again, we have a water issue. you got a lot of people, a place to camp, but no water. Verse two, therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people taking with you some of the elders of Israel and taking your hand, the staff. With which you struck the Nile and go behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Oreb, which is at Mount Sinai, and you shall strike the rock and the water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the lord by saying is the lord among us or not so a third story they come they don't have water they say what we could have just died in egypt moses you and aaron psh. and moses says it's not with us you have the issue with it's with god it's with god Amen. and so moses goes to god say what are we going to do And God tells him, you take that staff. Now, if you remember, that staff was used in Egypt. It was the one that turned into the snake. It was the one that had had touched the Nile River, turned to blood. It was the one that he held up over the Red Sea and it parted. And he says, now take that staff, take that stick. And I want you to go up over that rock. And in that place where that rock is, uh, he says, you strike the rock and water shall come out of it. Now, it's been known that in those places there's been rock. Where water will be be hidden. You tap that and, and water will come out of the rock that breaks. But for a whole nation, God did a miracle in bringing water for that whole nation. And so there is a people who are, being, who are being watered in the middle of the wilderness. Like the biggest drinking fountain you could ever imagine. And yet they still had this heart that was complaining. It was a heart that said, woe is me. Do you ever find yourself in the position... Or you say, woe is me. Have any of you been there this last week? I know I've been there. It's like, Lord, here it is. Here's the situation. Here is where you have brought me. And the Lord might say, yeah, I brought you here. I brought you here to test you. Lord, there's no other way out. And so you must have the worst intention for me. Woe is me. My life is hard. You don't care about me. And the Lord brings us to this situation to tell us this. Friend, all you have is me. You might say, woe is me, but you need to be saying, wow, is he? I mean, because that's that's all we've got at the end of the day. It's only Jesus. And throughout the wilderness period, whether it's dealing with bitter water, whether it's dealing with no food or whether it's dealing with no water at all. God was putting them in those situations so that he could be their everything. Now, this isn't just some Old Testament story. God actually uses the rest of Scripture at portions to say, you know what? When they were complaining, something much more serious than throwing a tantrum was going on. There was a root there. There was something that was wrong with their heart. I want to move over to, there's lots of places we could go, but I'm just going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 right now. Because it looks like it's just water and it looks like it's just manna. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Lord has Paul tell us what these things actually were, what the Lord was providing for them. It says, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all baptized through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was christ nevertheless with most of them god was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness when it came down to what they were eating and what they were drinking it says it was god He was providing for them. He was trying to reveal himself to them. And even though they were getting their bellies full of water and food, they would not fill themselves up with God. Why is that disastrous? Why was it more than just complaining? Why is it worse when we just have this, this constant, God, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you're doing. Maybe it's just the way you're using your words, but it's revealing your heart. Now I want to go over to Hebrews this is in chapter 3 and this comes to the essence because we're now dealing with spiritual food. We're now dealing with with a rejection of God because this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 16. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness? Now, here's the important part. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter the promised land. They were unable to enter because of. Unbelief. They were unable to enter because of unbelief. See, if you're a complainer. If you are saying, woe is me all the time, and maybe it's not always directed to God. You know why a lot of people don't want to come to the church house? Complaining. And grumbling about one another and gossiping about one another. See, the, 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 it wasn't even directed at God all the time. They directed it at Moses and Aaron. And Moses said, this isn't really about us. You're complaining about God and what he's done. And the writer of Hebrews says, this is the issue. All of them that left Egypt, none of them made it. All of those adults in that generation, none of them made it except for Joshua and Caleb. The two spies who went and said, yeah, they look like giants in the land. But God told us we can trust him. That rest of the generation through their complaining and through their constant saying, God, it doesn't look like you have it for us. The reality was they didn't have it for him. And they were left in the wilderness and destroyed in that place and never made it to the promised land, not because of their disobedience and their complaining. The disobedience and the complaining was revealing that in their hearts they never believed in him. What does your complaining reveal? I really, I really pray that the church's complaining does not reveal that we're not actually the people of God. If we are the people of God, in fact, throughout the New Testament, it takes up the same thing. Do not grumble and do not complain. Do not quarrel, but seek Jesus and learn how to build one another up. And when you feel like as an individual, as a community, you are up against the wall and there's nothing else to provide for you. Take one another and take him to Jesus because he is all you've got. And I yell at you because the Lord comes at me fiercely with the same sermon. Do You know that in the scriptures, when it talks about them getting water, it says that Jesus was the water. remember his conversation with the woman at the well. He says, yeah, I asked you for water. But if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water because the water I give people springs up to eternal life. He's the one who gives the water. It was all about Jesus. And later on in the book of John, John chapter six, he's already fed the five thousand. And people begin following him around because, I mean, Jesus was amazing. He was a superstar. He's taking five loaves and two fish and feeding thousands upon thousands of people who wouldn't follow him. But he comes and he comes right at them and says, unless you eat me. Because I'm the true man, I'm the true bread that comes from heaven. They say, we don't get you. What are you? He says, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you will not live. Because I'm the manna that comes down from heaven has very little to do with whether you've got enough money in the bank or how much food you have left in the pantry. Where God's going to ask you to move the next day. Or who's going to be the next pastor. God puts us in these situations to say, I'm testing you. And in those moments when we come with complaint and when we come with woe is me, The big danger isn't that we won't be fed. The big danger is we might end up in hell. It might be revealing that you don't know Jesus. It might be revealing that even though you said, I want out of slavery, and maybe you said a prayer at the altar one day, that as you go through life, what you've really said is, you know what? I don't trust you. I said a prayer to get my ticket, and I got out, and I went through some Red Sea, but it says that whole generation was killed off. They never made it to the promised land. So as you sit today and you say. I already had my hand up, a lot of people witnessed me as being a complainer. What do I do? I mean, that what do I do? You change. And the only way to change is to change the way you see God. Again, we go back to woe is me. No, it needs to be. Wow, is he if you want to change the way that you approach and see life. Change the way you see God because he's the truth. He is good and he's gracious and he's merciful. And the reason maybe he hangs you out there isn't because he doesn't love you. He wants you to give you he wants he wants you to have everything that you could ever have in him. And so in order to do that, he gave everything that he was. He sent his one and only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. He gave Everything. Really, the test isn't to wonder whether he's going to come through. The test is whether we change and say, man, you're amazing. You want to change your complaining attitude? Get to know how amazing God is. Go read your Bible. See how faithful he is page after page after page. Go back to your diary and see how faithful he was page after page. Even in the hard times, even when the person died, even when you had that sickness, even when you didn't have money left, see how God provided for you. It wasn't him who let you down. If anybody let you down, it was yourself. A heart of sin will take you nowhere but hell. But A heart of, after God. That'll change you into a person who seeks him. When you stand at that place where the water tastes bitter, you say, but you, God can make this sweet. I don't doesn't taste too good to me now, but God, what are we going to what do you have for me to drink? God, how am I going to eat? I'm not complaining. I just, I trust you. Give us today our daily bread. God, how are we going to drink today? I don't. God says, I give eternal water. That little spigot's the least of your concern. He's going to provide. He always will. He always will. Sometimes it feels like, yeah, but I'm doing it all on my own. He may be testing you. I remember one time with my mom, I complained. We always had food on the table. She put something on the table one night, and I was like, I don't like this. I stopped and threw my tantrum. You know what my mom said? All right, you can make dinner for the family for the next week. I didn't like that much. From then on, my mom was a great cook. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord puts us in this situation and says, go ahead and try it on your own. See how that feels. And after a little while on our own, we realize, man, it's desperate. It's desperate. God didn't mean for us to be alone. Remember what they said at the end of that one? Is God with us or not? No, he's with us. It's really the question needs to be reversed. Are you with him or not? Their complaining and disobedience was revealing of their heart of unbelief. And if you find yourself in a place of complaint and grumbling and complaining against God or against other people, it may be revealing that you need a major change. You need saved. You need Jesus. Or maybe you just want to go back to Egypt and slavery. No, go to the promised land. Go with God. Go back and remember how good He is. He's so good. Even if we don't understand what the wilderness is going to look like for us, trust Him. Trust Him. Father, we thank you for your word. The scripture says you gave these stories. Of these people as an example. And in Hebrews you tell us that. If today we hear your voice. To listen. And to not test you as the Israelites did. In the wilderness. Because we don't want to be found. To not be able to enter your promised. Rest. When Jesus comes back. We want to be with you. And so Lord I pray that you would bring your saving spirit into this place. For those who maybe today have had their heart completely ripped open and exposed. And maybe they find themselves wondering, do they know you? I pray that your spirit would come in and change those hearts as only you can. I pray that you would initiate the change. That you would bring salvation today to this place. To save people. And Lord, for those of us who have maybe forgotten you. We've got so overfilled with all that we can get in this bountiful land then we would go without for a little while or we just complain. We pray, Lord, that we would not be complainers, grumblers, gossipers, slanderers, But, Lord, that we would build one another up by speaking about Jesus, how good he's been and that he knows what tomorrow holds and he will take care of our daily bread. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to trust you.